Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is Brian, joined by John, as always, for your Week 8 edition. How you doing? Good, Brian. How about you? I'm pretty good. It's been an enjoyable week, considering the Panthers beat the Buccaneers on Sunday. Not something I was expecting. I mean, the random number generator picked the Panthers to lose 19-1. to So Yeah, that didn't happen. They actually scored a lot more points than that. They scored 20 more points than that. I did. The, the random number generator is actually pretty close, just backwards. Yeah. The Buccaneers managed to get a field goal, which was pretty astounding, considering isn't their quarterback Tom Brady? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's not Jameis Winston anymore. I know that much. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so after this tumultuous last couple of weeks with Matt Rule, Phil Snow getting fired, along with some assistance of theirs – uh, Robbie Anderson getting traded, Christian McCaffrey getting traded. I think we were all kind of walking in expecting the Panthers to just uh, roll over and die, and they very much did not do that on Sunday. Yeah, like I when I had, had when I talked to people that are Panthers fans, but maybe don't pay as much attention. They're like, like I've, I think I've talked about like talking to my parents about it. And like I think they're gonna try. Like you know they're motivated and all this stuff. And it's like yeah, that's all fine. But the players are bad. But so it wasn't like they were gonna roll over and die. Like no one was gonna try. It just uh, the Panthers seemed like they would be outmatched. Not necessarily yeah. like top to bottom, but um, Tom Brady versus PJ Walker looks like possibly the greatest quarterback mismatch of all time. Well, apparently it was because P.J. Walker put up 21 and Tom Brady put up three. Yeah. In favor of P.J. Walker, of course. Yes. That's what I meant. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was kind of a weird – it was something I've been thinking about since last week where I was like, this team really isn't like – they don't look like a first overall pick type team. Right. But they were playing like one with Baker Mayfield – the defense was obviously good, but the offense was just staggeringly terrible for the last six weeks of the season. Um, and then Carolina showed up, and suddenly they looked like a a competent offense. Granted, they didn't get a first half or first down until the second quarter, so that's not good. But this is probably the best offensive looking performance I've seen from them. So. And against, like, 
a good defense too, which is yes, surprising. I mean, not really that surprising. I mean, the defense, aside from like the Niners and Rams games where the offense just kind of bled them dry, like the defenses look good every other game since. Uh, since no, those, I mean, like yeah. it was surprising for the Panthers' offense to be like somewhat competent against. Oh, like, I see what you mean. The best defense they faced all season, basically. Yeah, definitely. So, P.J. Walker had 16 completions on 22 attempts for 177 yards and two touchdowns. That 177 yards is still consistent with their offensive production. They can't really seem to get over 200 yards passing. But <laughs> It's funny how hard we make 200 passing yards look when it's basically like a routine day at the office for most teams. I mean, Brady threw for 290, and they didn't score more than three points. So, yeah. <laughs> but P.J. Walker looked good. Um, he was the top-ranked PFF quarterback of the week, which was a shock to me. Um, not not a shock in the sense of after watching the game thinking that, but just a shock like looking at it in a vacuum. I would not have expected that, but... Like, like the odds, if you had odds on P.J. Walker to be the highest graded quarterback of the week, they would be ex- like massive, tremendous odds. Probably have made thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, P.J. looked good. In fact, uh, I remember thinking in the preseason that P.J. Walker looked like the most uh, comfortable quarterback behind like running this offense. And I was like, well, it's just the preseason. He's running with the third and fourth string. So whatever, yeah. who cares? But that carried over into this game. They actually let him throw the ball down the field a little bit. Um, and it paid dividends. So DJ Moore had seven receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. And uh, Terrace Marshall showed up a little bit. Two receptions, 31 yards. He probably would have had about 60 if he caught that first pass on that first drive. Which he should that, have, to be fair. But It was a difficult catch. I'm not... He should have caught it, I will agree, but I can see why he dropped it. It was not an easy catch. <laughs> um, but the biggest story coming out of that game is the rushing game. So the Panthers traded away Christian McCaffrey, one of the best running backs to ever play for the Panthers and probably arguably in the NFL of all time, just in the span of uh, you know, his impact on the field. The Panthers ran for 173 yards against the Buccaneers. That was surprising. It's a lot of yards, and uh, they picked up a couple chunks. A lot of that was those two chunk plays back-to-back, the Deontay Foreman run and then the Chuba Hubbard run back-to-back. Like, that was 77 of the 173 Yeah, uh, on two plays, two plays in a row, I think, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Dante Foreman. I don't know if it's Deontay Foreman or Dante Foreman. I hear different things. Um, Deontay. But Deontay Foreman, yeah, he had that 60-yard run, and then Chuba Hubbard ripped off the 17-yard touchdown the following play. And got him, got him on the ropes. Yeah, well, I mean, Panthers fans have really hated Chuba Hubbard all season, like all season. And I've never understood. I get it in the sense of fumbling the football too much and just – he, the beginning of the game, he had the same issues where he just couldn't really get away from contact at times, and so he fell short of the first down a couple times. Um, but overall, he's also a third string running back, so like, invest your energy elsewhere, please. Yeah, well, I mean, 
this running back by committee, at least this week, I mean, putting up that many yards as a unit without Christian McCaffrey is very impressive. Very impressive. So yeah. good for them. Um, the defense obviously came out and just destroyed the Buccaneers. Like part of it was that that's the one question that I have going into uh, this podcast is, are the Buccaneers really bad or are the Panthers just better than people think they are? Um, Because the Buccaneers statistically so, are really bad. <laughs> the Buccaneers offensively are really, really bad. Um, which, I mean, which is very strange. Yeah. Like, like, so the Panthers, I think, are better than people give them credit for. I still think the Panthers are really bad. And I still think there are some things kind of underneath the surface of this game that, uh, like, it's not fixed, right? Like, Walker played well, but especially given the contact, like, the defense they're playing against. But, like, 14 first downs is not good. Uh, four for 12 on third down is very bad. Um, they gained a lot of yards, but a lot of it came on those chunk plays, which are not, like, a sustainable formula. Not to, like, put a, like, rain on the parade, but looking at it realistically, I don't think what the Panthers did on Sunday is, like, a replicable formula to win games consistently. However, they made plays when they need to, and the defense is really, really good. Like, that's been the case all season, for the most part, other than, you know, they kind of wear out when they're repeatedly you know, tasked with the offense uh, stumbling. But the Buccaneers also lost to the other, like, worst team in the league the week before. And they lost when they lost to the Steelers. So, and then they kind of struggled against the Falcons and the week before that. So I think the Buccaneers might just be bad. Yeah. I'm starting to get to the point where I think that this is Brady's swan song at this point. And I'm sure his wife leaving him is not helping, but yeah, like the Bucks just didn't look good on offense. Like that Mike Evans touchdown or drop touchdown, I should say, if they caught that, I feel like it's a totally different ball game because that was a 70 yard easy touchdown that Mike Evans just Julio Jones the shit out of. It's very funny that we've seen two of like the best, uh, like wide receivers of this era, especially in this division, do that to the Panthers in yeah. Carolina. But yeah, I agree with you that uh, if if Mike Evans catches that ball, it's very easy to see the whole game like spiraling from there, right? Like, well, because then the Bucks are playing with a lead, and that's a totally different ball game. The Bucks are playing with the lead. The Panthers, who have already under are uh, had to battle through a bunch of adversity over the last couple of weeks, have immediately dug themselves in a hole. And no matter what they say, it's very hard to avoid that. Like, oh, well, here it goes type of mentality. Yeah. Um, or on the other side of that, you know, when you, I don't, I mean, you've played sports, like whenever stuff is going really poorly and then everybody wants to be the one to fix it, um, it becomes even worse. It like snowballs because everybody starts trying to do too much and uh, kind of gets out of their, uh, plays out of, like, tries to play over their head or gets out of, like, out of the system. Out of their wheelhouse, like yeah. Yeah, so it's like, okay, someone's got to make a play. I mean, it's going to be me. And then, yeah, I think things go very differently if Mike Evans catches that ball. Yeah. What I what I thought Dante Jackson should have done would have been very funny is if he got up, like, taunting the receiver and, like, waving his hands, like, making the incomplete sign and stuff, like, celebrating the coverage. Because I love when defensive He should have done that. that. 
Yeah. I love when defensive backs do that completely inappropriately, and I think that was a perfect opportunity for Deshaun Jackson, like not even in the frame to get up being like, not not today, incompletion. Mike. Yeah, that's on me. <laughs> that's a coverage as an incompletion on my stats. Yep. You didn't catch that football. Yep. Um. Speaking of Mike Evans, I, I know you said you want to talk about it. Uh, you want to talk about the referees. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> I love that it's even a story. It's just one of those stories where the media, not even the media, but the fans got carried away with something. Basically, there was a questionable video of Mike Evans signing something or writing on something for the referees. And of course, the prevailing narrative was that Mike Evans was signing a autograph for the referees, which, number one... The Buccaneers lost by 17 points. So it's not like the referees <laughs> helped them win this game. Um, but it turned into an investigation by the Buccaneers. They also and by called the more penalties on the Buccaneers, too. Yeah. <laughs> and it turned out that instead of Mike Evans giving the referees autographs, which was the allegation by Twitter, that he was signing, he was trying to uh, pat, he was trying to get. Um, contact information for a golf lesson which for anybody <laughs> like, educating on the nfl the nfl players and even the refs talk about nonsense sometimes during the games like it's just normal so i mean they all know each other like yeah you know they the the refs like they get they, it's just like players like they cross paths all the time yeah and even mike evans apparently uh both evans and that referee went to the same college um want to say it may have been Texas Tech, not 100% Texas sure. A&M. Texas to the A&M. There we go. Um, so that's not really outside the realm of possibility, but even after it came out that that was the reason why Mike Evans was writing something down on something the ref handed out, fans were still mad about it, and I don't understand why. No, it's that's just, stupid. Yeah. One, uh, there, there, I have a lot of like reasons why that's a bad take to be mad about. Uh, first of all, like... I guess we'll back it up in order, like in terms of from like what people like perception back to reality. Um, even if the referees were signing, asking for an autograph, he is an NFL player. Getting NFL players to sign things is cool, uh, especially if they're like an old, like it's an older, it was an older guy. Like if he's got grandkids or something, to be like, hey, look, I got you like this Mike Evans autograph. Pretty cool. Who cares? Even if it was for himself. Because he wants to like tell stories. Who cares? I don't think like the NFL is a bigger organization than like some dude being a fan of another player and not being able to like referee a game fairly. Like this, that's. I think people forget because of how passionate and irrational people are with their fandom of their sports team that like that's not how it works in reality, right? Like. If you're I, a Panthers fan and you go referee a game between the Panthers and the Bucks, you're gonna be like, uh, all Panthers, and you're never gonna call anything as the Panthers, and you're gonna favor yourself. Like, referees don't do that, even if they do like respect and like or are a fan of the player that they're officiating. I get where the initial uh, skepticism came from, just because they the NFL is really cracking down hard on, um you know, any kind of nepotism when it comes to the referees because of the gambling aspect. Obviously, 
Calvin Ridley is not playing this year because of that. So I get that part of it. But once like the actual story came out, I don't understand why people are mad about it still. Yeah. Like I like, said, I wouldn't even be mad about it if it was an autograph because who cares? I right. still expect referees to be able to do their job just like I expect players. Like, just like you don't expect, like, you know, like players do jerseys, like exchanges after the game. Mm-hmm. And it's it, football's a little different because, like, if you go to someone of the same position, you're not sharing the field. But, like, to use another sport, like, you think of two basketball players, like, exchange jerseys and, like, talk it out and, like, hug it out after the game. Like, they're going to guard each other softer the next game. Like, they still do their job the best they can. Yeah. I, the referees are the same way. And then also, just wrote a phone number down. And that, that story comes out. That's like, oh, okay. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, it should have just been a non-issue, but the NF, the internet blew up a little bit about it, and uh, it was funny to me. It, um, is, it is funny. It's nothing like a good old like Twitter conspiracy theory of something that makes no comment. No, like, no sense. sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like if if the Bucks won that game and it was like close, then I could see why there would be this skepticism over it. But the Panthers pretty much dominated the Buccaneers. Like the refs really had no. No real hand in it aside from calling penalties on the Buccaneers, which most of them seemed rightly deserved. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But also, imagine there actually being a conspiracy like that, and the referees just walking up to him in the tunnel after the game with all those people around. Yeah, being like, <laughs> yeah, like let's just there, do this just... in front of a bunch of a bunch of filming cameras. Yeah, this is right. a great idea. <laughs> yeah. It's big, it makes no sense at all. And also, nah. like, even if they were in cahoots, like, why would they be needing him to sign something? They've probably already been able to do that off camera. My favorite theory was that they uh, was that he gave them his phone number so they can meet up for for golfing lessons, and then he'll sign stuff. That was a great theory. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's, that's totally legal. Sick cover up, and then he's gonna pay them under the table at the golf lessons, yeah. like in uh, March. Call the Panthers. <laughs> call the next Panthers game better, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. I, I absolutely the case. But anyway, moving on from that, um, the offensive line looked damn good this week. Bradley Bozeman. Bradley Bozeman was also one of the top ranked PFF players of the week. He was the top ranked player of the. No, P- no, PJ Walker was. No, of of all positions. Yes. Uh, well, I, Bradley Bozeman was the top of something, so I guess he must have been offensive. He line. was the top, one of the top offensive linemen. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, this offensive line looks good. Their defense is obviously good. They still have DJ Moore, and they. One actually, that that brings up a good point. I was just going to say that they scheme plays in for DJ Moore, but one thing I did want to touch on, um. It almost seems like this was the week where they actually Im- implemented an offensive game plan where last week was kind of just them scrambling to field something since Matt right. Poole had just been fired and Phil Snow had just been fired and the new regime was kind of taking over. And I should say the new interim regime was taking over. Yeah. Um, you're right. Uh, Bradley Bozeman, the top ranked Panthers from – the game where PJ Walker won, Bradley Bozeman two, DJ Moore three. Nice. Which DJ Moore also did get some props because I think people forget how good DJ Moore is because no one could get him the ball. Yeah, this was the first game where 
PJ Walker made a few, actually, I think he made about five, what they call big time throws, but that, that one throw to DJ Moore in the end zone, that was a split second. Like you got to catch it at that exact spot touchdown and DJ Moore caught it. He was even a little shaken up after the fact that was just a fucking beautiful play. And I don't know if DJ Moore was uh, shaken up. He just milks it all the time. Like every time he falls down, but yes, he looked like he was shaken up. Yeah. He still caught it though. I mean, he got the ball oh, literally. It was that two toe tap. Catch. Yeah, like one second margin of error, and he made the he made a beautiful catch. That was great. Another shining moment for PJ Walker. Um, I guess I'll transition into my next point. Is PJ Walker the guy right now? Yeah, we don't even need a quarterback anymore. I think he's the guy. I mean, they already announced that he's gonna. Oh, I know what you mean now. Okay. (laughs) I think he's the he's the guy uh, until he loses it. They already said that no matter what the statuses of Mayfield and uh, Darnold are, next week PJ is starting again. So I think it's. I don't even know if it's a debate. Like he he's he's the first quarterback to look competent in over a calendar year. He deserves yeah. to like play again until he doesn't look competent anymore at the very least. It is just amazing to me that they took this long to turn the the reins over to PJ Walker when Matt Rule is no longer around when he was Matt Rule's boy anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's a temple like, like Matt Rule's temple guy and he hasn't really had an NFL. I mean, he's been been on an NFL roster before, but like his first genuine NFL opportunities because it's his college coach and then he gets his best play of his best performance of his career happens after the guy gets fired. Yeah. After they miraculously put together a competent offensive uh game plan where he was allowed to throw the ball down the field a little bit. That's crazy. Very interesting. Yeah. Um one but, last uh, Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna uh, well I was gonna say just that um on the on the PJ Walker quarterback play thing. You know how last week I said uh, we're at the point of the season where I was watching CJ Stroud highlights? Yes. Uh, yesterday's or Sunday's performance had me uh, where I'm now watching Will Levis highlights. Because <laughs> now we're not going to get the first overall pick. Maybe now, yeah, now we're like less likely to get the first pick. So now we're looking at uh, more, you know, like the next tier of quarterbacks. It's now. still certainly possible that they could get the first overall pick, but Sunday very much demonstrated to me as an onlooker that this team is not going to roll over and die. In fact, the, the way that the whole locker room reacted after they won that game, it's like, this team is not dead yet. Like this is not, this is very much not the same situation as like last year, for example, where the team like kind of had a noticeable drop off after the first half of the season. Like, no, they're, they're going out there. They're trying to win games. I liked it. I mean, there's nothing you can really do as a fan. I know there are a lot of fans out there who are like, well, they won this game. Now they're going to be out of the first overall pick. It's like, well, you have no control over that. Like these players, especially Steve Wilkes too, but like these players have no incentive to tank. And Steve Wilkes players is trying to get a head. Tank, yeah. And Steve Wilkes is trying to get a head coaching position. This is his audition to be the head coach for the Carolina Panthers. So there's real, really no incentive to tank. So I'm just going to enjoy when they win and, you know, just be happy about it. Like, I, I got to walk in on Monday and all the Eagles fans are like, oh, look at the Panthers. They beat Tom Brady. Like, you know, 
I didn't have to listen to them be like, oh, what happened with the Panthers on Sunday? It's like, no, I, I got to be happy for once. So we uh um I just lost oh I was uh I was like I had football outsiders pulled up and there was like an ad pop up and it was with ba- PJ Walker being named the starter is Baker Mayfield officially a bust thoughts oh <laughs> just I... like it's a super super sports talk like uh debate disc- uh, topic so in the context has in the context of the Carolina Panthers, I actually kind of want to say yes. Um, so I watched JT O'Sullivan before this podcast. I watched JT O'Sullivan's breakdowns on a on YouTube, and he broke down kind of a lot of the throws that Walker was making, and they were really good. But what I really noticed in it was the fact that PJ Walker would stand in the pocket and kind of throw when the pressure was coming at him, where Baker very much kind of just gave up on the play and tried to run a lot, which yes. he's not even as much of an athlete as Darnold or Walker. So that was very puzzling when I was watching the Panthers the last few weeks. And now all of a sudden PJ Walker wants to stand in the pocket, make the extend the play a little bit and throw the ball down the field. I mean, this is the best quarterback performance we've seen all season, aside from maybe week one where Baker Mayfield put up a decent, a really good drive at the end of the game to try and get the Panthers within striking distance. And I I kind of want to say Baker's a bust at this point. It might be yeah, a hot take, but I kind of think he is. No, nah, I think, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, for the Panthers, I'll say that the, the move definitely did not pay off. It's funny because Mayfield and Darnold have like almost the opposite problem. It both stems from the same thing that they don't trust what they see and they don't make decisions fast enough. But Baker's problem has been that he just like takes his eyes down and looks at the pass rush and bails out of the play too fast. While Sam Darnold was always just like double clutching and never know, like always super late to decide if he wanted to make a throw or not. Yeah. And so it, it's been funny that like Baker bails too fast and like. Darnold decide, made decisions too slowly, and then PJ Walker was like, a kind of just right by comparison, which says a lot about the. Nah, he played really well, but like PJ Walker has been like a revelation for you at quarterback. It probably it says a lot about the previous quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean Walker, like I said, he just looked the most comfortable in this oh, scheme yeah. that I've seen. Um, and maybe Sam Darnold comes out and looks even more comfortable now that he's had a full off season with it or whatever. But overall, I mean, Walker, like I said earlier, he made five statistical big time throws as far as they graded with uh, it's either PFF or uh, pro football reference. But I mean, he just, he made the throws that you expect. There were a couple different times where Buccaneers players were out of position and he capitalized on it. And that's, that's what you want from a quarterback like PJ Walker. Like you don't, expect him to throw for 400 yards and throw have like a Patrick Mahomes type performance. But when a team gives you something, they should take it. And he absolutely did. And even like the Tommy Tremble throw, for example, which was a beautiful completion, by the way, like I probably the most beautiful touchdown throw I've seen all season. (laughs) He saw that the corner cheated up a little bit and he just, he just fucking launched it. And that's what I want to see a quarterback do, especially with a team like this, you know, 
Yeah. He um and that if if nothing else, like I make like jokes about PJ Walker a lot and I love PJ Walker and I always joke about his uh basically his irrational confidence. But the the upside of that is kind of what we saw on Sunday, right? Is that he through any other like any other kind of shortcomings he might have, he is by far he's like he's very composed and he does not get rattled. And that that's been like the biggest like I said, that was the biggest uh shortcoming of Darnold and Mayfield and Walker's poise looked was so apparent compared to what we had been seeing prior to that. Prior yes. to his start. Yeah, PJ Walker just I don't think he's ever going to be like a, a top 32 quarterback, but he has that the kind of poise that you described where you can see him making a big play in a big moment. Right. So he can, he can be our, he can stick around as our backup for a long time. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I mean, they're, they're going to need somebody because at this point, the only quarterback under uh contract next year is Matt Corral and he's hurt. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, PJ Walker showed out, had probably, like I said, it's PFF, and I've always been a little skeptical of them, but PFF rated him as the best overall rated player of last week, and I think it was well-deserved. This team would not have won without him being the kind of quarterback that he is, where he's very uh, confident, as you said. <laughs> and granted, later in the future, excuse me, uh, granted, in other games in the future, we're going to see him throw three picks and be like, well, fuck. But this game, he did his job. He did what he was supposed to do. Yep. Um, um, one other thing before we wrap up the Buccaneers thing and move on to the upcoming week. Mm-hmm. Um, along Also with the offensive line, uh, we talked about Iggy having a pretty slow start to his career, which is not oh, He's unexpected. been fantastic now. Yeah, because uh, I, I pulled up the PFF. Uh, Panthers Twitter account to look at what we were talking about. Um, since week four, zero sacks allowed, only three pressures allowed. Uh, fourth best PFF grade among tackles. Um, eighth, eighth best pass blocking and 15th best run blocking. So uh, above average to very good tackle as a rookie since week four. Um, against some better competition. So I, I think it's a I think that's good. That's a home run of a pick, basically, looking at it. you I mean, most left tackles really do struggle um, in their first season. And the fact that Iquanu's kind of, like, come into his own, and I think the fact that they finally just admitted to defeat with Brady Christensen as left tackle and put him as the left guard there, like, that was a great, co- a great combination. And the Panthers are in a, such a good position right now because Iquanu, Christensen, uh, Corbett and Taylor Moten are all under contract for at least the next two seasons. And they could probably get Bozeman back again next year. I mean, Bozeman had the best center uh, performance of the entire season against Vita Vey, by the way, um, this week. So the offensive line is very much fixed at this point. It's yeah. not going to be the elite top five unit at this at this juncture, but it's good enough that they can field quarterbacks like PJ Walker and he's not going to get killed the whole game. So, or, or a rookie next year. That's also true. They do have some extra draft picks. Thanks to trading Christian McCaffrey away. So they could very much get a center and, you know, be good. 
So, as of right now, we'd be picking third. Um, now, as much as it looks nice to pick up all of the uh, McCaffrey picks, it really just replaced picks that we had already given away. So, well, my only thing with that is uh, that was the, under the Matt Rule era yeah. where. Matt Rule was trying to save his job, and he also had the uh, final say on every per, uh, personnel move. So even though I know a lot of fans are upset and saying, well, we just got back what we gave away for two guys who sucked, it's like, well, we got it back now. We have a draft class in 2023. You know, like yeah. it, it well, it's kind of hard for me to harp on something like that when we already admitted defeat on Matt Rule and just let him go. Yeah, and we also still have our second-round pick this coming year. Like. We'll have two picks, and we'll have potentially, depending on how the 49ers finish, that we'll have three picks in the first two rounds. I mean, we'll obviously have three picks in the first two rounds, but like, depends on where they finish as far as like could be top 100. You know, probably won't be, but we'll see. I mean, we have three picks in the top right now. We have the three picks in the top 50. Yes, which is no, good. It's a good, good way to uh, try to rebuild the team quickly. So. I said it in the uh, in the recap that this is not a situation where a team is rebuilding from the bedrock like the Jaguars or the Lions of the of old or the Browns. Like they have a solid solid foundation. That's part of why I understand why they turned down the first the two first round picks for Brian Burns. Which, by the way, it was reported that those were 2024 first round picks, not 2023 first round picks. So I understand the decision not to take that even more so now. Yeah, and then and then Brian Burns is young and part of the defensive, like a defense that's good. You don't need to. We don't need to tear down the defense to try to match what we already have. Oh, I mean Burns has been making plays all year, as far as not even just as a pass rusher, but like blowing up perimeter runs. Like he's becoming more of a complete player. So right. at this point, I mean, I I expect them to give him an extension. Next year's going to be weird with the cap, but the following year's going to be good. So overall, I mean, even if this is if this is what they consider a full rebuild, it's not really a full rebuild in the sense of that they're tearing down everything. They're just they need to get a quarterback, they need to address some positions on the skill positions on the offensive on the offense. They need to figure out what the running back plan is going forward and I guess the linebackers maybe um but it's not a full-on rebuild with the talent they have now. I think Dante might get let go, though. That might happen. Dante Jackson? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But we have. I like Dante Jackson, but he's getting paid a lot of money, and if he's not performing like a top-20 corner, then I can see why he'd be let go. So. Right, and if J.C. Horn turns out to be as good as it seems like he will, like, you kind of... Uh, I mean, having multiple great corners is what is ideal but like having one makes such a big difference because then you can entire you can like really build a defense around that and having a second one is good but it doesn't make as big of an impact on how you structure your defense when your second one's really good i mean keith taylor and tay hayes stepped up on sunday as well when uh yeah jackson and uh henderson went out as well so they have some they have some good prospects ahead of them but Anyway, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's look at the Falcons game. I would never have expected this to be for the, potentially for the division crown right now, at least uh, (laughs) in the standings that, that that's crazy to me. Yeah. They said it during the game. They're like, if the Panthers win and the other results hold, which they all did, like the Panthers are one game out of first place in the NFC South and Tampa Bay loses to the Ravens, which is very only, possible, which is very possible. And also considering the fact that it's a Thursday night and it's past Tom Brady's bedtime, which we learned yeah. last year was <laughs> significant. Yeah. Uh, it's very possible that the winner of the Falcons and the uh, Panthers is in first place in the NFC South at the end of Sunday. And as That's we know, so and as we know from 2014, if you win your division, it doesn't fucking matter at that point. So the right. Panthers are literally are literally in this weird uh, limbo of they could be picking in the top three or they could be in the playoffs. It's just very, very strange. The, the, if the Panthers, like, obviously it doesn't matter because there's still a lot of season left, but if the Panthers win on Sunday, there's a possibility that their current draft pick goes from three to 20 or That's to 18. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> the NFL is so weird this year, especially the NFC. Um, yeah. I will give the Falcons credit though. They are they are a very scrappy team and well coached and they run the ball extremely well. So this could be a war of attrition as far as uh running the ball between the Panthers and the Falcons cuz the passing game sucks for the Panthers unless PJ Walker continues his performance from last week. And the Falcons passing game has been pretty fucking atrocious as well. <laughs> Two teams of they're very uh, much cut from the same cloth offensively. Uh, other yeah. than the Falcons have been more like more productive in total. Like their offense has been pretty good. Um, Surprisingly, the they yeah. made it. Yeah, they made it work despite despite not throwing the ball at all. But um, it, it it does seem like it feels like, and it's probably going to be just the story for most Panthers games for the rest of the season. It's just like. Every game looks like it's going to be an offensive slog, and it's going to be like first team to seventeen wins. Yeah, I agree with that. the The team that scores first that's going to be a major momentum shifter for mm-hmm. pretty much every team, every game going forward. Um, but I am strangely excited for it. I. I guess pessimistic me would have been like, I think the Falcons are going to kill them like two weeks ago. But after this yeah. past game, it's like, eh, maybe not. I mean, didn't the Saint the, the Falcons gave up a pretty significant lead to the Saints a few weeks ago. And yeah, the Falcons too. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and the Panthers dominated the Saints and, you know, the game after that. So... It's very hard to project what's going to go on with this with this NFC South. If, well, if you want to play the like transitive property game, 
um, the Panthers got killed by the 49ers. The Falcons dominated the 49ers. Yeah, that's true. They did do that, didn't they? <laughs> Ugh. I don't like that stat. <laughs> I don't know if it's a stat, but like, yeah. 28 to 14. The Falcons over the 49ers. Marcus Mariota uh, shouldering the offensive burden, going 13 for 14 for 129 <laughs> yards. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So, yeah, it's literally pretty much a tale times. of the same two teams when they just run the ball consistently. Yeah, and yeah, they, their quarterback the needs to make plays. Falcons ran the ball 40 times. They threw it 14. Wow. In that game. Uh, this is – so – the Falcons are interesting because, like, their their receivers are like Kyle Pitts is very scary, but they haven't hardly used him this year. Drake London's been like quietly like one of the best rookies in the NFL. He's got like 300 yards receiving already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah he's been very good. Um, which is even better considering you know like the lack of opportunity given how little they throw the ball. Mm-hmm. But they're. It's it's funny. I guess Marcus Mariota shows how important it is to have a running quarterback and how much it opens up your offense, right? Because it's not like I mean Cordero Patterson's good, but he's been out, and so they're basically this like three-headed rushing attack of Marcus Mariota with Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier sharing carries. Like it's not like it's not like they got the old like uh, thunder and lightning backfields of like multiple good running backs. It's just like, they're both rookies. One's undrafted and one was like a seventh round pick. And they're just kind of grinding out yards. Yeah. They're just like, well, somebody has got to run the football. So one of you is going to, so let's do it. I guess Arthur Smith just knows how to, to, to coach up good run games. Derrick Henry in Tennessee for a while and stuff like that. Yep. I mean, a good, a, a well, a well blocked rushing offense is, hard to stop regardless of who's running behind it. I mean, we saw it again this weekend against the the Buccaneers. I mean, it wasn't like Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard were like going Barry Sanders all over people. They just blocked the, the, the plays were blocked. Well, so. Uh, quick pop quiz looking at DVOA. Uh, do you think Falcons bottom third, middle third or top third in offense? Bottom third. No. Middle third? No. Top third, really? Okay. They're ninth in offensive DVOA. Hmm. Fourth in rushing, 15th in passing. They 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 don't like their passing yardage is really anemic, but it's it's they're efficient when they do throw. Like Mariota has been decent when called upon. Okay. I mean, that makes sense cuz yeah. That's kind of what you want to do with a with a team like that. I mean, that's what kind of what the Panthers did last week. So, right, going to be you, a battle of DVOA. Yeah, you 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 want if you have Marcus Mariota as your quarterback, you don't want to lean heavily on him throwing the ball too much. Mm-hmm. But he's very very fast. You want him running the ball a lot. Now, all this we're saying all this, the Falcons came are coming off getting destroyed by the Bengals. So. Momentum is definitely on the Panther side. Just really depends on what they do in the passing game. I mean, we know the Falcons are going are gonna to sell out to stop the rushing game because that's what the Panthers put on tape this week was we're going to run the ball down your fucking throats with Dante with Deontay Foreman and uh, Chuba Hubbard. So how are you going to stop the rest? But if, if you want to know, know they have... how... 
Go finish, ahead. Go ahead, finish. No, you I was going to say, I know they have three defensive backs of their starting four who are going to be hurt and probably not playing. That helps the passing mm-hmm. game. Do you want to know? So the Falcons got, this is how committed the Falcons are to the running game, to the run game. So they got beat 35 to 17 by the uh, Bengals, right? They were down uh, 21, nothing. Basically, on the first play of the second quarter, essentially, they went down 21 nothing. So they got dug in a big hole very fast, right? And they were down 28-7. to uh, Well, we'll get to that. So they're down 21 nothing, right? Early, pretty much from the start of the second quarter. They threw the ball. Uh, they called 16 pass plays. Damn. And they ran the ball 29 times. Maybe that's the new meta of the NFL, John. We're getting away from <laughs> passing the football. We're going to start running the, the ball that again. Listens to this show knows what meta means. You need to define that for the for the people at home. As in the new trend that most the NFL most was a most effective tactical uh, approach or something like that. I don't know what the acronym stands for. I'm just a nerd, but um, <laughs> it means the best way to do things. Yes, and. It's very possible the NFL is starting to go in that direction again. We're getting a, cor- a, a statistical correction as far as uh, being pass-heavy, potentially. Potentially. I don't know. I, I, I was going to ask, like, and I, I'm pretty sure like no, like there are numbers to back this up. Doesn't it seem like numbers, like passing numbers and stuff, are way down? Or at the very least, there's a lot more performances like what I just said, where there's quarterbacks going, like, 10 for 16 for 114 yards or something like really anemic this year or than we have in years past. I agree with that. Um, I think that the quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen out there are still throwing the ball like 35 times a game. But I think the, the middle of the pack, the ones that are trying to make the playoffs as like the wild card. Yeah. I very much think that, I mean, Lamar Jackson threw like nine passes on Sunday. I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Teams were trying to catch up to the passing game, and now they realize they're falling behind the running game. It's just a constant uh, seesaw. Yeah, it's 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 like it's just it's. It, I think about like ten years ago, like five to ten years ago, where everybody was throwing. It was like bad if your quarterback didn't hit four thousand yards passing, and now it feels like a significant chunk of the league are going to have guys throwing for like less than twenty five hundred yards. Well, that's why and it's I not like they're the... running the ball, but it's not like they're running the ball well. It's just like defenses have caught like defense like the scoring is down and everything too. It's just like defenses have figured out how to limit the pass. Well, defenses are more pass centric now, where yeah. in the past you had the Ron Rivera's of the league who are like, Well, we're gonna stop the run no matter what, and we'll make them throw the ball. That's true. Where now yeah. I think that defensive coordinators are very much trying to limit the pass more and like kind of make teams get those negative plays in the running plays. Cause that's what happened against Carolina for the last several weeks. Like they wouldn't go anywhere because their rushing game would get like one yard and that forced them to throw the ball on a not so good situation, you know? Yeah. That's what we talked about, right? Like in principle was that uh, running plays are inherently, uh, have like a pretty low, like a pretty high rate of ineffectiveness in yep. terms of like plays that gain you like zero to two yards. And if you're, even if you're a bad run defense, all you need is like one of those. And then you can take advantage of having a good pass defense. Yeah. But it I just, mean, it's been good. I would say all you need is like 
Brian Burns has really exemplified this this year. He'll just like tackle a guy for a four yard loss. It's like okay, well now they got to throw the ball in third and long. So yep, yeah, I agree. Exactly. Uh, so it would just it's just been interesting to watch. And then Sunday's game is going to be a perfect example of that because the two teams are going to throw like a total of thirty passes, and we'll be we might be pushing like the over under of like combined passing yards might be three hundred for both teams. Just you wait. It's going to be a shootout between Marcus Mariota and PJ Walker, which that would be hilarious <laughs> for the division lead. Yeah. Yeah. What a world. What a world, world we live in. in. Yeah. By the way, meta uh, means most effective tactics available. Oh. For, for those of you at home, you can add that to your everyday life. Yeah, it's usually a video game term for when stuff gets moved around in competitive video gaming. And yeah, yeah. you find the, the best lineup you can. So that's where I get that context from. But Right. Because I'm a, you know, a nerd. So. But anything else we want to touch on with the Falcons game aside from the scoring predictions? Nah. Uh, just I just want to point out that despite the optimism around the Panthers and the poor play of the Falcons, uh, the Panthers are underdogs pretty significantly, and I have to pull it back up. Uh, it's Falcons minus four and a half. Is it in Carolina or in no, it's Atlanta. in Atlanta? Well, then it's basically one and a half because they usually give the the home team a uh, three point. Yeah, but it's still, it's still it's still marking the Falcons as the better team, which is probably fair. But um, that is fair. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and then the ESPN matchup predictor thing has Falcons a sixty four percent chance of winning. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> Gonna laugh when so, the Panthers get killed on Sunday, but it's fine. Yeah, they come. They're gonna come down uh, from the high. It's a trap game. Yep. I'm in a letdown spot. Yep. So, anyway, scoring predictions. Uh, you want me to go first? I can go first if you want. Go ahead. What you got? Gonna go with twenty-one to six. Panthers. Ooh, not only are you predicting a win, you're predicting that the Falcons are better than the Buccaneers and will score an extra field goal. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. I'll put my homer uh, glasses on for one last time and they'll inevitably let me down. Well, I'm not. Um, I'm going to say Falcons 17, Panthers 12. All right, seventeen to twelve, Falcons. Numbers. Interesting. I mean that that's totally w- within the realm of possibility. So I don't I don't fault you at all for that that uh prediction. So yep. and the random number the, generator uh, this has <laughs> Panthers twenty five. Okay, Falcons ten. So the random number number generator is on my level this week. Okay. Yeah, big big turnaround from the random uh. Number generator going from a 19 to one loss to a 25 to 10 win week after week. Very reactionary. I you you, want, you might want to say if it makes you feel any better, I picked the Bucks to win 35 to three last week. So 
could not have been like if you were using the same constraints as the number generator, you almost could not have been more wrong because I have yeah. thirty five <laughs> points. <laughs> Bucks weren't even close to that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like that was you were almost as as far away as you possibly could have been to the Buccaneers score. Yeah. So, but yeah, this should be a good, fun Falcons Panthers game. I really hope it's fun. Like. This past weekend was just fun. I enjoyed actually watching the Panthers be competent and not make me sad the entire time. Like, even if they had lost, I would have been, like, a little more optimistic just because of the fact that they were doing stuff and throwing touchdowns. So, yep. I guess we'll see. But yep. anything else you'd like to touch on before we end the show? Uh, no, I think that's it for right now. We'll uh, keep you in, keep you uh, updated next week with what quarterback I'm watching highlights for based on how well the Panthers do. Right. Um, if we're back to CJ Stroud and Bryce Young or if we're looking even further down in the first round. Yep. We'll see what happens. Could be picking in the 20s. Who knows? But right. Anyway, from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian, joined by John as always. Stay tuned, stay safe, stay healthy. Enjoy the Panthers game on Sunday. Hopefully we get to have a second week of being happy on Monday. We'll talk to you soon.